The following audio is from LaGrange Church of Christ, located in Texas. For more information about LaGrange Church of Christ, please visit our website at www.lagrangecoc.com. We're involved in a series of lessons from the book of Proverbs, talking about character and how uh, this book, as well as other parts of Scripture, form our our character into the image uh, of Jesus. And so two weeks ago, Laura and I were in Seattle. One of the great things about the the trip was being able to see the Cascade Mountains. Now, now Mount Rainier is an amazing sight, and and you can see Mount Rainier from Seattle on some days, as long as it's not cloudy or something like that. But but Mount Hood, which is closer to 11,000 feet, uh, Mount Rainier is somewhere around 14,000. Uh, Mount, Mount Hood, which is pictured here, is the most climbed mountain in the Western Hemisphere. And it's located about 40 miles east of Portland, Oregon. And although many people climb it each year, there have been a number of tragedies that have occurred on this mountain. For instance, on May 12, 1986, 13 high school students set out to climb the mountain. And it was sort of an an annual rite of passage for those who had completed their sophomore year. Now, the traditional way to climb Mount Hood is to begin at at 2 a.m., 2 in the morning. And then you reach the summit in order to see the sunrise. And then you descend to base camp and you get there around noon. Now, the, the teenagers on this day approach the climb with little thought, little sleep the night before, and no preparation. They, they dressed casually, they, they wore light coats, and they did not take any special climbing gear with them. And so as they set out on their climb, uh, the weather quickly changed, as it sometimes does. And, and they found themselves in a snowstorm. And so they did, maybe the only thing they could do, they, they decided to dig a snow cave that was about four feet by six feet And 11 of those 13 climbers uh, crammed into the cave. Two of the others tried to go back and and find help. Uh, Four days later, help finally arrived. But it was too late for most of the hikers. Uh, Bodies were stacked on top of one another uh, within the cave. and, And nine of the teenagers died and only four of them survived. What happened? What went wrong? Uh, The the storm was unexpected, but the group was young, they were inexperienced, and they were ill-prepared for their climb. Yet if you look at the history of climbing accidents that have occurred on Mount Hood, you will notice that it's not just the inexperienced who are vulnerable. Some of the most experienced climbers have lost their lives trying to climb this mountain. In December of 2009, three well-trained and well-equipped climbers were killed as they attempted to scale its summit. What makes experienced climbers vulnerable is they tend to be overly confident in their skills, in their equipment, and in their own physical abilities. And so inexperienced climbers are naive at times, while experienced climbers wrestle with pride, but both are vulnerable. We could say that, that what is true of mountain climbing is also true of life. 
Life is this exciting journey. It is an adventure with unknown dangers lurking ahead. Now, a teenager or a young adult can can make the mistake of thinking that, that life is simple. Life is easy to manage. But anyone with life experience knows that it is full of joys and wonders. But there are also unexpected twists and turns along the way. And so sometimes a person is faced with difficult decisions. Now, at the same time, the the person with life experience must also be cautious because life just, just has this way of surprising us. We may think that we've got it all under control, that we've got it figured out, and suddenly an event or, or something happens and it just changes everything. We're thrown off and we don't know what to do. What is evident is that this world does not adequately prepare us for this journey. And there is a dangerous shift that has occurred in our culture which makes it even more difficult to to navigate these sometimes treacherous waters. We prize individualism, and this is how we often approach life. But in times past, community was valued. So instead of facing life all alone, instead of pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, um, you had the help of others. What Scripture teaches us is that Community is important, that there's a value to community. And if we're going to be successful in life, then we must be a part of a faith community that celebrates with us when life is good and is there for us when life knocks us down. We must remember that the instructions in in Proverbs that, that we read there are not just for one group. It's for everyone. Often, the writer of Proverbs will just address one group. He'll he'll maybe address young people. But the wisdom that he's sharing is for all. We're reminded of this in Proverbs 9.9, where it says, Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. And so, a wise person is not so prideful to refuse to learn no matter the setting that they are always looking to grow in wisdom and knowledge. The writer of Proverbs often directs his wisdom towards a young adult male. But this does not mean his wisdom is only for those individuals. It's for all. Character formation begins when we are young. But it's something that never stops. We should all be lifelong learners. We are to continue to grow in wisdom, no matter how old we are. And so one of the most famous verses in the book of Proverbs is one that is sometimes a little bit misunderstood. It's Proverbs 22.6, and you've perhaps heard this before, maybe numerous times in your life. Um, One version has trained uh, children the right way, and when old, they will not stray. Um, This verse is often understood to apply to parents with small children. So if you're a a young parent and you have some small children, then this verse applies to you, but maybe not to, to anyone else. But I think that this is a good example of a verse that needs to be understood in the context of the book it comes from, rather than us just assigning whatever meaning to it we happen to want. 
The Hebrew word that is translated child or children here, it's a, it's a broad term. In 1 Samuel 4.21, it refers to an infant, a baby. But it's also used of Joseph. It's used of Joseph when he's 17 years old. And it's also used of Joseph when he's 30 years old. So this Hebrew word here could refer to an infant or a person in their 30s. That's a a broad range there. So we have to understand it within the context of the book. Throughout the book of Proverbs, this word refers to a youth who is transitioning into adulthood. And so it's probably someone who's in their late teens. There's also some misunderstanding regarding who is doing the training. We have narrowly interpreted it to mean just the parents. This is a a verse about, you know, four parents and their children. Uh, The proverb itself does not say who is doing the training. It does not identify parents. It does not identify anyone else. But a careful examination of the rest of the book, uh, I believe, does not leave us with a narrow view. Are parents supposed to instruct their children in the right ways? Yes, absolutely. But we should not stop there. The moral training of youth does not belong solely to parents. It also, according to the book of Proverbs, belongs to neighbors, teachers, and people that you go to church with. But sadly, this idea of a whole community taking responsibility for raising the children in our midst has almost disappeared. Parents nowadays are likely to side with the child rather than the teacher or the concerned neighbor who is striving to do what is right. Even some parents have abandoned the the parent-child relationship and refer to their children as their best friends or their best buddies. Now, there should be a strong relationship between parent and child, but it is a much different relationship than that of two friends. Proverbs 22.9 needs to be viewed in light of other passages, perhaps one like we find in chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And so here the writer of Proverbs states, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. And so the voice heard in this passage is that of a parent or perhaps a a wisdom teacher. It could be either one. But one thing that we should notice right away is that all of this is conditional. The teacher or the parent says, if you receive my words. Another translation says, if you accept my words. Now, when we just look at Proverbs 22.9 by itself, the responsibility seems to lie solely on the parent or the teacher. 
But here we notice that the young person bears responsibility as well. The responsibility of the young person is further described in verses 1 through 4. He or she must seek out wisdom. They must heed these words of wisdom. And when they find wisdom, they must be attentive to it and receive it. In verses 5 through 9, the source of wisdom is revealed. It comes from God. And so the wisdom that is to be sought is not just simple knowledge. The book of Proverbs is not giving instruction for, for how to um, you know, find the next Einstein or, or to instruct the next Einstein. Proverbs is mainly concerned about character formation and moral instruction. And so it answers the question, how does one become a good person? The knowledge that is given comes from God. This is the only place where a person will find the knowledge uh, to become a good person. This also addresses the kind of community that we are to seek out and to be a part of. The author of Proverbs does believe in the old adage or, or secular proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. But it is a specific kind of village, a specific kind of community. The only community that possesses the wisdom to train a young person in the right way, in the way that they should go, is a community with God at its center. And so the more time that you can spend around people of faith, the better uh, for yourself and also for your children. Although this passage presents the, the picture of an older person addressing a younger one, uh, the wisdom shared here, like throughout Proverbs, is for all. What, and what is at the heart of this passage is what a person chooses to pursue, what we desire, what we yearn for in life, what we seek after. These things are of great importance, and they determine how our life is going to play out. And so what we pursue is going to determine what kind of person that we're going to be, what kind of person we're going to become. And this is what the book of Proverbs is all about. It's about how to be. And what God ultimately wants from, from you and me is for us to be like Jesus. And so how do we do this? Well, it begins by, by loving the things that Jesus loves and desiring what, what Jesus desires and being uh, humble and, and receiving this wisdom and knowledge that God has given us in the Bible, and also knowledge and wisdom that, that we receive from the Christian community, especially those who are older and wiser. We are to seek first the kingdom of God. We put away all other desires and longings, and we learn to love the things of God. Now, this is not going to solve every problem that we have, but when we make God the focus of our life, it puts everything else in perspective. And God gives us a community 
to share our burdens. He gives us a community founded on his wisdom that will sometimes have the answers to the difficulties that we are facing in our life. And so growing in wisdom and becoming like Jesus is something that we are to work on all our life. It's something that does not happen overnight. It takes time. It takes patience. It is a long obedience in the same direction. Uh, Bob Keeshan was known to millions as Captain Kangaroo. And he hosted a popular morning television show for children. And when he began the show in 1955, he was only 28 years old. And so he was supposed to be this grandfatherly-like figure. And so in order to look the part, uh, what he had to do is he had to put on a bunch of makeup and a wig and fake whiskers and all these things to make him sort of look like a grandfather. And as he played the role over the years, his hair turned white and wrinkles appeared. And he founded, he, he discovered that um, he needed less and less makeup. And so near the end of his career, he would say, I've grown into the part. As Christians, we are to grow into the character of God. And so whether we are young or old, we are to continue to seek the wisdom of God. And although personal Bible study is important, nothing replaces a godly community. We come together to share the wisdom of God that we have all learned over the years. We come together to encourage one another and to help each other in times of need. We are shaped into the image of Jesus by doing life together with people who share the same longings and desires. And so together, we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.